One of my goals with the Secret Podcast is to make the supernatural more natural and the paranormal more normal. These are events and occurrences that happen as a part of our natural and normal everyday lives. We've just been conditioned to ignore them and deny their existence. Well, it's time to undo that conditioning. I'm proud to announce that Ray Davis and I of Sixth Sense Media have created our own Sixth Sense Media clothing line. We can't always go up to somebody and say, hey, what do you think about disclosure and UFOs and aliens on the earth? But you can wear one of our Disclosure Now t-shirts and get people's attention. Start the conversation or connect with another like-minded person who sees your shirt. If you're a truth seeker or someone looking to enact positive change in the world, why not wear it with pride? Connect with other like-minded truth seekers and become the change you want to be and see in this world. Visit SixthSenseMedia.net, click on the store tab, and become the change you were born to inspire. Visit SixthSenseMedia.net, click on the store. Welcome to Truth Seekers. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. But there's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media. It's the show that challenges reality, questions that which you've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. Making the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. That's exactly what I aim to do once again on this episode of The Secret Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II. I'm happy to be here on time for once. It's Friday evening, April 12th, 2019. This evening I want to talk about cycles. Big cycles that that the ebb and flow of time and the, and the solar system... And, and some climate cycles and some other fascinating cycles I came across through a, a, a video with Greg Braden. And I think these are cycles that are of the utmost importance for us to understand because as Greg Braden puts it, we are in a time of extremes and he has the data to support it. And these cycles have a direct, I don't, I don't know if it's impact or effect. There is a correlation. Let me, that's a better way to word it. There is a direct correlation between these cycles and human achievement, human development, society's behaviors, everything. It's a fascinating thing to look at. Um, and I think it's something that we need to be aware of, especially moving forward in the times that we may be going into. So I'm going to talk about that, dive into that, and look at the impact of cycles on really our societies and our lives. Uh, I have some current events to get to as well. Been an intense week for me. Isn't every weekend an intense week? Um, been doing a lot of work with the crypto viewing team. There's things that that I can't share on this channel or this platform, um, and I, I know this sounds like a, a crazy teaser, but um, <clears throat> things that we're able to share on that platform that we can't sh- that I can't share here. But last night I, I did a um, I did a video with with Dick Allgaier. Him and I were just going back and forth, having a discussion about who runs the world. We got some information from somebody who's in the know so to speak and uh, we were relaying that to uh, to our subscribers and it's a it's a heavy conversation so uh, if you have an opportunity to check out what we're doing at the crypto viewing team 
I encourage you to do that. I wish I could discuss it on this platform. I just, I, I can't. Um, but it was a powerful discussion that we had. It's one, it's one that's left my head spinning uh, for a while as I, as I process what I'm, what I'm being told. So if you have the time, check it out. <clears throat> All right, let's jump into some news stories here. This one's interesting. A, uh, this comes to us from NPR. It's called Ancient Bones and Teeth Found in a Philippine Cave May Rewrite Human History. Well, I feel like human history is being rewritten all the time. The more, more of a conspiracy theorist or truth seeker you become, the more history begins to rewrite itself. Uh, an unusual species of human apparently lived on the island of Luzon in the Philippines as recently as 50,000 years ago. Based on teeth and bones found there, scientists suspect that these early humans probably stood less than four feet tall and had several ape-like features. Yet the researchers say the bones are distinctly human from a previously undiscovered species. So it's an interesting article. It goes on to talk more about this and obviously how um, it changes our understanding. We, we really we know nothing. Uh, and if you think about it, you know, as I was looking at um, disasters, the, the cycle of catastrophe through suspicious observers, if we have the types of cycles that they're talking about, um, you know, this ebb and flow where you have massive winds, massive tidal waves, massive displacement of mud and sediment, well, most of civilization at the, at the time would be wiped away. And from, from what I understand, from what I'm learning, um, there have been many, many civilizations that have risen and fallen here, some that got pretty advanced, uh, if not more so advanced than we are here. So I'm always excited when we find another piece of that story. Um, and that's why I think it's a, va a valuable, invaluable asset to work with and utilize remote viewing, as I've been saying for the past few years. Um, if you can get yourself some training and start building your own team, I, I think that's of the utmost importance moving forward to the future. Uh, you know, let, let's just say we face a disaster. I don't mean this is a doom and gloom show, I promise. But let's just say we face a disaster and... and Internet goes down, TV goes down, all electronics go down. But if you have a team of well-trained remote viewers, you may be able to get yourself some some vital information on terms of where to go, uh, what kind of weather may be lying ahead, what to prepare for in terms of uh, politics, control, overthrow, unrest, all that stuff. Um, it's a valuable resource to have, my friends. So get some training, start building your team yesterday this that, that's how important i think that is all right um let's move on the next story this is interesting uh, israeli moon lander suffered engine glitch before it crashed this is from space.com uh, they they tried to land a uh, some a craft on the moon and it didn't go so well Bereshit, the Israeli spacecraft that crashed into the moon during a landing attempt yesterday, April 11th, was having problems with its main engine during its descent that left it unable to slow down in time before it smashed into the lunar surface. Quote, a technical glitch in one of Bereshit's components triggered the chain of events yesterday that caused the main engine of the spacecraft to malfunction. Engineers with uh, Spacel and Israeli Aerospace Industry the teams, uh, the teams that built the oper and operated the spacecraft said in a statement today, engineers at the Mission Control Center in Yad, Israel, did manage to restart the engine before the crash, but by that time, its velocity was too high to slow down, and the landing could not be completed as planned. 
Spacel officials said in the statement. So it's just curious. Look, we're going back to the moon in, in a major way. Um, so this crash, I don't think it's going to deter anybody from doing anything. I know there's more to this story. I don't have it at this point in time. I just wanted to acknowledge that this crash did happen. Um, it's something that I'm sure will come out in greater detail in conspiracy circles. You know, but as I'm saying this, I'm coming back to uh, the Apollo missions and what suspicious observers were talking about. And it was very interesting how they were building this case for these sun cycles and these micronovas and the debris that comes off of it and how it uh, you know, litters the earth and causes all sorts of destruction and, and damage. Um, he says, why, was the, why were the moon missions that were looking for evidence of this named Apollo, who was a god of the sun? Uh, and he went through and, and, and he says, you know, you look at the logos of it and it's, it's a bright yellow faced logo on there, a circular logo. It looks more like the sun than it does the moon. Um, you know, he says they're, they're, they're hiding it in plain sight, which we know um, these organizations tend to do. There's a big connection to the sun, my friends. I don't know what this mission was all about with that crash, but uh, I'll talk a little bit more about solar cycles moving forward. Again, I'm just an amateur here, but I'm going to point you to the data where you, you can hear the experts discuss it. And I think it's important for you to get up to speed on it uh, as soon as possible. I can't, I just can't stress that enough. Um, all right, let's move on. Big story. Julian Assange arrested in London. I'm reading from a CNN article here. Um, it's, it's titled, How Julian Assange's Arrest Could End as a Test for Press Freedom. The debate has spanned the decade. Is Julian Assange a villainous hack working in concert with countries that regularly squash a free press? Or is he a symbol of freedom of speech and the public's right to know? Debate is back on now that Assange has been arrested in the UK and charged in the US, not under the Espionage Act for publishing classified material, as many press freedom advocates had feared, but under the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. On Thursday morning, shortly after Assange was taken into custody, prosecutors alleged that Assange engaged in a conspiracy with Chelsea Manning, a former intelligence analyst in the U.S. Army, to assist Manning in cracking a password on classified DOD computer systems. Notably, according to, the, to this timeline, Manning has, had already started to download information off the servers. Assange allegedly coaxed Manning to keep going. One of Assange's lawyers, Barry Pollack, says the charges just just boiled down to encouraging a source to provide him information and taking efforts to protect the identity of that source. Journalists around the world should be deeply troubled by these unprecedented criminal charges. Uh, others beg to differ. They say Assange is a tool of Russian intelligence, among other things. Well, yeah, isn't everybody a tool of Russian intelligence? Isn't that the big thing here? Um, look, here's the thing. We have freedom of the press, or we are supposed to have freedom of the press. I'm starting to lean more towards we have the illusion of freedom of the press. But let, And let's say that's the case. The, the, the press is really not free, which I don't think that it is. But we do have that idea. We do have that concept. We have that belief that we have freedom of the press. And when we see that somebody oversteps those bounds and tries to exercise that freedom and they're shut down, that should send a message to us out there. And it should make you pause and question what you're told and where we live and how deep that system of control goes. Then you need to ask yourself, what are you going to do with that information? 
it is a scary thing to consider. It also is also scary to, to to look at what Assange was a part of with WikiLeaks and what WikiLeaks exposed that has gone unpunished. And now Assange, the whistleblower, is the one in trouble for reporting the crimes as opposed to the actual crimes that occurred and the people responsible for those crimes who are still not in prison. Ray Davis did a, a piece on that. He's a video on that, and he had a good thread going on Facebook with, it, with an opinion piece on that at Six Sense Media. I'll have the links to that so you can listen to Ray's words, his words of wisdom on that. Okay. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm keeping this show, moving it quick tonight. I want to talk about a, a video I came across on my YouTube feed with Greg Braden. Now, look, we know that algorithms exist on the internet and those algorithms are designed to predict based on our browsing history what we want to or should hear or look at or read now we also suspect that those algorithms have been compromised to steer us away from certain things like conspiracy theories and free press and uh, free press wrong word um, conspiracy theories and fake news but I, I have to say, I'm noticing a connection between my thinking and what pops up in my feed. Now, I suspect it's, it's most likely due to the videos and the things that I tend to spend my most amount of time on. But I also noticed my YouTube feed is not regularly showing me current stuff. I'm now regularly seeing videos from three to four years ago coming up at the top of my feed. I don't like that. Now, maybe there's a way to change that, but it's a recent change over the past month. So I'm not getting the current stuff, and that does concern me. you got to do a little bit more digging to get things that are recent. I have to actually click on the pages that I like to follow to see their newest content coming up. Now, this Greg Braden video was a new release. Um... I, I don't know why that showed up at the top of my feed as fresh. So I wonder, is somebody feeding me this? Does somebody want me to see this? Does something want me to see this? And, and I guess why I'm sharing this is because I've always said I, I get information from some kind of intuitive download. And it seems like the algorithms on my computer, on my browser are starting to mimic maybe not starting I think they have been for a while or I'd say work with that level of intuition now is my intuition communicating with an AI is the AI sending signals to my intuition I, I, I don't know but I think there is some kind of correlation or connection there I have nothing but my own experience to go off of um, but that's I, I think that's a point a good point of research for anybody in a higher position to me that's listening to this, maybe you already know it, but uh, it, it's something that I'm seeing, that I'm experiencing, and I think it, it can work together if you learn how to really follow the leads that you're getting, I guess is what I want to say. So, Greg Braden, he's talking about these cycles, and what I loved about his approach to this is it's not fear-based, it's not doom and gloom, and this data can easily be used to sit there and tell you Change is coming. Be prepared. Be afraid. Buy my product. Uh, and he doesn't do that. 
And so I walked away from this feeling hopeful. That doesn't mean there's not challenges coming. We're not. In, it doesn't mean we're not in challenging times. But the way he words it is we're living in a time of extremes. And he's making that statement based off of data. And he's looking at a chart. Uh, it, it's a line. What's it called? A line chart? A, a line, I don't know how, what the heck it's called. I'm drawing a blank here, my friends. It's one of those charts where you see the needle going up and down. Okay? The ebb and flow of the chart. <clears throat> and he's talking. he starts out talking about, and, and you need to watch this video. It's a half hour long. He, needs, he starts out talking about climate change. Climate change is very different than global warming. Global warming is a part of climate change. And he's looking at data pulled from ice core samples. And he said what these scientists did is they pulled ice core samples from Greenland and from Antarctica. And these ice core samples go back 420,000 years. So there's 420,000 layers. He says, as, and the way you get a layer is that you have ice and then it melts a little bit. And whatever's going on, whatever's in the air or floating around, if a volcano erupts, you get ash in the atmosphere, it gets trapped as the ice level refreezes. And then you get this layer. And then more snow falls and more stuff's in the atmosphere. You get another layer of ice that builds, layer upon layer upon layer. So they were able to gather 420,000 layers, which equates to 420,000 years of data. The data doesn't lie. And look at different things that were in the air, and, and you know, and it tells us something. And he says, what we see are actual cycles of warming and cooling on the planet. Debate over. There's actual cycles of warming and cooling. And he says, according to the data, we should be in a period of warming right now. That is normal and natural. So all this panic that's being thrown, global warming, global warming, plants getting warmer, that's a normal thing that happens. He says, right now we're in a point where we are above normal from the normal, the average temperature of the planet, I guess, but it's, it's not anything that's abnormal. And it's certainly not the warmest period we've ever seen. He says, actually, there was a time, he says, that science, scientists refer to as the MEWP, which was known as the medieval warming period, which was much higher temperatures than we're seeing right now. He says, but typically what the, what the cycles have shown us is that you have a brief and intense period of warming that is immediately followed by an intense cooling period. Now, this coincides with what I was talking about with Earth Changes a few weeks ago with Ben Davidson's research and, and a couple other researchers out there, is that a cooling, as we're going into this, this solar minimum, a cooling period is coming. And it sounds, sounds like this cooling period still might be pretty intense. Now, Greg Braden was looking at some other information there, and he was looking at the CO2 cycles as well. And he says, without a doubt, CO2 is not the cause of global warming. And he referenced a peer-reviewed journal, uh, the Journal of Nature, uh, edition 329, in 1987. This data was published. They've known this since then. And what they're seeing based on this data, this ice core data, the warming happens and then the CO2 levels rise. So the CO2 is not the cause of the warming, but it's a byproduct of the warming. He says, but then after the warming happens, the CO2 rises, then the temperatures fall. 
So the CO2 may actually contribute to a fall in temperatures. Now, what he did say was that we have unprecedented levels of CO2 in our atmosphere right now, thanks to us. That's our signature. That's our imprint. We are not causing the warming, though. But what effect that could have is an even greater cooling period that we might be going into. And that is concerning. But he says temperatures tend to drop when CO2 levels rise. All right. With me this far, you need to go listen to this video. It's it's a, it's a great it's a great uh, depiction of this data. He then talks about this guy, Milton Milankovitch. He was a Russian scientist, and he identified three cycles of the Earth: the precession, which is the wobbling of the axis, the eccentricity, which is orbit change, um, and, and then the tilt and obliquity. Now, I'm glazing over this data here. He goes into much more detail. But he says, these cycles, these three cycles, if any two of those cycles rise and fall at the same time, when they fall into sync, we have warming and cooling periods. And we're currently at the top of the warm, of a warming period, which means we're about to take a dip. It's more data saying, here's more cycles. We're about to take a dip and go into a cooling period. Now, as if that wasn't fascinating enough, he then talked about a guy by the name of Nikolai Kondratiev. And he discovered what he called the cycle of economies. And they referred to economies not just as financial systems, which is part of it, but they referred to it as how people work together and share resources. And what Nikolai uncovered was a 66-year economic cycle. And he said, let me let me pull up my chart here because I do have a chart of it. Well, I took I took the chart from this video. Um, but our current cycle, he said, began in nineteen forty nine. And he refers to that as the spring. It's a four season cycle. And the spring is when you start to see it's the start of inflation. Um, employment and confidence will increase steadily, inflation increases, stocks rise from low levels. And that lasted from 1949 to 1966. He says, in the 1966, we went into the summer, which was runaway inflation. Uh, the best investments are for commodities, gold booms, real estate homes, um, the, the bonds, bear market, interest rates soar, debt builds, capital uh, goods sector overbuilds, stocks make no progress. But this is, So this is runaway inflation. Then by 1980, we were moving into what he called autumn. This was disinflation. Inflation drops, interest rates fall, commodities drop, debt rises, stocks peak, then crash. And by the year 2000, uh, where are we at here? We're moving into winter. This is called deflation. Prices fall, consumer confidence drops, bank crises, high unemployment. Now, this, this period ended in 2015. This is what's interesting. So now uh, the winter ended in 2015, which means now we're starting the inflation again. So we're in the next level, the next cycle. We're in the spring, which is set to last until 2030. So they're saying best investments, stocks, real estate, uh, bonds enter the bear market. Employment and confidence increases steadily. Inflation increases. Stocks rise from low levels. So we, we, we did just see all these troubling things, job, you know, unemployment. And I'm not an economist, guys. 
but what gets me is that as things are starting to move up now that we're into spring and we're looking at cryptocurrencies getting ready to come online and, and really take off, does that fit these cycles that we're seeing? Now, he moves on past that. And that's an interesting point of study. I, I suggest that you take a look at that graph. I suggest that you go and watch that video that I'll have linked in the show notes um, and, and see. And I'm going to come back to we are living in a time of extremes. And when Greg Braden talks about that, it's because he's looking at the data on the chart, the peaks and the valleys. We are at the tops. We are at the peaks of that data. We are at the extreme portions of that. Now, there's another cycle that, um, was it Nikolai? I forget who he named that found this cycle. But it's a cycle of human conflict every 17.71 years. And they had a chart, again, had the ebb and flow of human cycles. And I encourage you to go look at it. And on there was the Civil War, the Spanish-American War, um, Panic of 1907, World War I, World War II, the end of the Vietnam conflict, all these different cycles were on there. 9-11 was on there. Um, the invasion of Kuwait by Iraq. I mean, I mean, it's a fascinating chart that they have, this data, these correlations. Now, he said in 2014, we began our next uptick. And that cycle will peak in 2020. Now, the way he worded this was, I, I loved it, because it's not spreading fear. See, Greg Braden, he he's a heart math guy. He understands the power of human energy and the negative impacts that fear has on us. So he worded this was, we are vulnerable and susceptible for war and conflict during this period right now as we're moving towards 2020, towards this peak. He says, but that just means there's greater opportunities for peace. If we're more mindful, if we're more peace-oriented, if we're putting out that energy of peace as opposed to fear of conflict, which I know I get sucked into, then we can we can overcome that conflict. But we understand the way that... If, and, and if we can understand how the deck is... I don't want to say stacked against us, but if how the system is being manipulated, then maybe we could do a little manipulation of our own. Study the Maharishi effect. He said, Suman... And what he went on to also explain was that human conflict and social change are tied... To, social, to solar cycles, and there's a direct correlation. And he shared some data looking at that. Now, what I've looked at is the impact of electromagnetism and human behavior, and that's heart math stuff. There's research showing that the connection of the electromagnetic field to the Earth and the electromagnetic output of the sun on human behavior. And what, what he saw was that there's a rise and flow, ebb and flow of human achievement human kind of quietness on the, on the planet and then peaks and valleys again based on what the sun is doing. And again, we are in those ebbs and flows now as we're moving into a solar minimum um, that impacts human behavior. So I think it's important for us to go back to what our ancestors knew, the power of the sun. I'm not saying you need to worship the sun god, but I think that we if we could gain a better understanding of these cycles, we can gain a better understanding of ourselves and understand that during these times, for some reason, there's an impact on human behavior, and maybe we can better prepare for that and create an infrastructure that better supports that. And, and, and the Maya understood that with their calendars. They had so many 
different cycles. I'm not going to delve. I'll have some links to Mayan cycles. But I did want to talk briefly about um, the, the Vedic cycles and the one called the, the Maha Yugas. And this is coming out of uh, India, obviously. The Maha Yuga, the smallest cycle is called a Maha Yuga. And there's multiple cycles coming out of the Vedic text. But a Maha Yuga is 4,320,000 human years. Each Maha Yuga is subdivided into the following four ages, whose lengths follow a ratio, a ratio of 4 to 3 to 2 to 1. Now, again, I'm sharing this because I, the Maya had, you know, cogs and wheels with their calendar. If you remember ever looking at that during the 2012, um, you know, time period. We are living in some kind of complex machine that has an effect on our life, on our growth, on our development, on our behaviors, on our spirituality, on our knowledge. We're in some kind of machine. And the more you look at these cycles, the more it, it, it's got to be some kind of an intelligent design. Whatever you want to call that intelligence. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. Maybe it's just one big learning machine. And that's why we have the bad stuff. I don't know. But let, let's look at this. The four ages. The Sata Yuga, also called the, the Krita. Am I reading this right? i got to put my glasses on. The Krita Yuga. The first age is 1,728,000 human years, also known as a golden age or the age of truth. The qualities of this age are virtue, are virtue reigns supreme. Human stature is 21 cubits. Lifespan is a lock of years, and death occurs only when willed. So basically, you live forever until you're ready to pass on. The Treta Yuga. This second age is 1,296,000 human years, also known as the Silver Age. The qualities of this age are the climate is three-quarters virtue and one-quarter sin. Human statue is, stature is 14 cubits. Lifespan is 10,000 years. Vapara Yuga. The, this third age is 864,000 human years, also known as the Bronze Age. This, the qualities of this age are the climate is one-half virtue and one-half sin. Lifespan is 1,000 years. Kali Yuga. The fourth, fourth age is 432,000 human years, also known as the Iron Age. This is the age in which we are presently living. The qualities of life in this of this age are the climate is one quarter virtue and three quarters sin. Human statue stature is three point five cubits, lifespan is one hundred or one hundred twenty years. This is fascinating to me. Um, and I think that some ancient texts support this, and I think some of the forbidden archaeology out there supports some of this. There were giants on the earth. Giants walked among the earth. Um, it's in the book of Enoch. It's in um, it's in the Bible itself. Uh, and, and there's rumors that these some of these skeletons have been recovered. There's some you can go down some deep YouTube rabbit holes looking at some of this data about the giants that were on the earth. And I, I'm drawing attention to that because the Yugas talk about the different heights of people of humans on the planet during these different ages and I think that's important to understand and I wonder if they somehow coincide with some of these cycles that we're talking about in regards to the sun now these cycles I guess 
also deal with not just solar cycles, but also our position within the Milky Way galaxy as the solar system rotates through the galaxy. And then as the galaxy, I guess, rotates through the universe, they've got these big, big, big cycles because I think we're just in one giant clock. I don't know. Um, I don't know enough about this, my friends. I'm sharing it because I think it's important. And I, I think that if we are at a time of extreme, and if we are facing some real hardship, as I said earlier, we need to lock into remote viewing. But I also think that this is knowledge that needs to be preserved. It needs to be studied and understood because I think we can then better prepare for and navigate this reality. These are the tools that we don't have anymore. These are the tools, the knowledge that we we lack right now in understanding things. We don't know who we are. We don't know what we are. We don't understand what our connection is to this universe and to this, to this planet. And if we did, I think we'd... we'd have almost superhuman abilities they'd be our natural abilities but by today's standards we would seem superhuman if we can learn to understand this look to the ancients look within I, I, I think there's some scary stuff but this gives me hope because knowledge is power if you understand how to use it so go out there check the links let this just be the start of your research down that rabbit hole Make sure you're making your preparations, being prepared for where we might be going with these ebbs and flows. Um, I think it's it's incredibly important for us to be doing that. I'm trying to share what I can with all of you out there. Um, and I thank you for sticking with me. If you have more information, if you have more experience, or if you think I'm completely nuts, let me know. Check it out, sixcentsmedia.net. There's a link to click to contact us. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Check out Ray Davis's affirmations at the affirmation spot. Links are at sixcentsmedia.net as well. I'm trying to compile um, on the page quick links for all of this stuff that's easy to find in a news feed type of format. I just have, haven't had the time to do it yet. But all the stuff that I track, um, where I pull a lot of my current events from, my data from, so you can have a one-stop shop to get there and just get the headlines and the links for everything because I think it's important. So um, that's it. That's all I've got this week, my friends. Thank you for continuing to support the show. Don't forget, check out our uh, our T-shirt line, SixCentsMedia.net. Click on the Store tab. It helps support the show. It helps support the platform and support what Ray and I are doing. And uh, get my free ebook, I Am Human, We're Not Who We Think We Are, sixcentsmedia.net slash I Am Human. I'm out of time. I'm Dennis Nappy II. Make it a great week, my friends. This has been another episode of The Secret Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind. Thank you. <laughs>